Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zombie <laughs> Girls Horror Podcast. And I hope you are ready because today we are going to be reviewing the works of one Brandon Cronenberg, and things are about to get really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me to help keep it weird is Matilda. Hi. Ariel. Hi. And Sarah. Hi. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hang on. <laughs> Hang all, right. all right. All right. All right. <laughs> I realized we just watched Antiviral and Possessor back to back, but I'm gonna need you to like. I said not to watch them. I said not to watch them back to back. There was definitely a break in there. I mean, we're a bunch of procrastinators, Matilda. <laughs> I feel like you should know us by now. I mean, yeah, I did take a little break between them, but they were watched within the same 24-hour oh, period. Yep. And there was a Saw movie in between there, wasn't there? Oh, God, you guys. This week has been insane. I started the week with, let's see, I watched two Saws. And I've had to play the game, like, every single day because it's so broken and I cannot get through it. So, like, my life has been taken over by Saw. Then I watched <laughs> uh, a, a sort of depressing <laughs> werewolf movie. <laughs> and then these two movies. <laughs> and another movie that I'll be talking about and what you've been watching, which was also really grim. So, it's it's been a week. It's been and then you had a reading assignment. That, so. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yep, yep. I mean, we haven't even really gone into the grim yet, which is saying <laughs> something about this book. But but yeah. still, just even the setup, it's so we'll get into it in the extended episode, but I haven't read this since childhood and whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh shit. All right, well you've heard what I've been up to just like destroying my brain. What have you guys been up to? What weird shit has happened to you this week, Ariel? Uh, nothing super weird except, do you remember last summer when I told you that a bunch of the people who own PT Cruisers all moved away? No! More people have arrived with PT Cruisers in the apartment complex. There's like four new ones. And, weirdly, two groups of, um, Mormons doing missionary work have also moved into my complex. Oh, they're they're in for some culture shock. (laughs) 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 Oh my god, Yeah. There's gonna, it's gonna be the magical underpants versus no underpants. <laughs> do you think the PT cruisers went south for the winter or something, or do you think? That oh, I kind of hope so. That's awesome. <laughs> Except for that, the winter is over and they will be returning. Yeah, yeah, that's. I guess that is the problem. And then my complex has a kitty playground area that's tucked behind one of the buildings, so you can't see it from the street. And they had closed it off because of covid but they just Mm -hmm. opened it which is also the place where last summer i saw a bunch of teenagers making out on the slides Uh so yeah things are gonna get strange i think yeah the weather (laughs) yeah the weather is thawing it's getting it's getting yeah like we're reaching free ball temperature so (laughs) yes yeah i await i await the great unveiling of everyone's <laughs> genitals in your neighborhood <laughs> it's well, just gonna pl- turn into a brandon cronenberg film up in your neighborhood <laughs> any minute now plus everyone's gonna be a little uh a little more frisky yeah when we come out of probably this true. right they're gonna be they're gonna have a lot of pent-up uh nudity oh yeah pent up nudity that is a phrase (laughs) that feels like what is that an oxymoron (laughs) yeah band name 
<laughs> there you go. The <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that should be the name of like the special of the day at Mannequin Pubic Hair. <laughs> right? <laughs> Pent up nudity. <laughs> Maybe that's the to go order that you take home. Like right. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Oh shoot. All right. Well, any anything else exciting going on? I had a fairly funny dream the other day that like it turns out Prince was alive and he was like harassing reporters that made comments like derogatory comments about his music after his, you know, supposed fake death. Mm. And he kept calling me because I described his music as sexy, but I didn't describe him as sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted you to correct that? Yes. <laughs> Correct the record. <laughs> Do you want to go on record now, Sarah? Is there any corrections you'd like to make? Hey, you know what? It's like that that meme said, Prince is the only man that could put on your girl's clothes and steal her away. Yep. True, true, true. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. I want to know what you guys have been watching this month. Uh, Ariel, you first. What have you been watching? So I was over on the Zombie Girls VOD page looking Ooh. at what was coming out. Good looking out. <laughs> And I noticed this movie called The Block Island Sound on Netflix. So mm-hmm. I watched that. Has anybody seen it? No, when no, I need no, to. I, I've heard good things. It is very interesting. It's about this island off the East Coast. And this woman is studying about how all of these fish have washed up dead. And it keeps happening over and over again. Just thousands of fish washing up dead on the shoreline. So she goes to this little island where she hasn't been in years because that's where she grew up and where her family is. And her dad and brother still live there. And her brother's kind of a mess. And their dad is starting to act really strangely. And at first they are thinking maybe it's, you know, dementia or Alzheimer's or something. But clearly something weird is going on that's not explainable. And so the movie is about the dynamic between the family members and kind of dealing with all of their baggage at the same time as more and more strange things are happening on this island and weird things are happening to both the dad and brother. So mm-hmm. it's it's a fascinating movie. It goes to a place I didn't expect it to go at first. And the only thing I would say is that it's a bit of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. So if that's not your jam, this isn't going to be the movie for you because there isn't a ton of action in it. It is very slow and just sort of this creeping dread feeling. So mm-hmm. I think you guys might like it, but I'm not sure about everybody else. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other thing I recommended was this new miniseries, again, on Netflix called The Serpent. I haven't heard of this. Oh, okay. So it's an eight-part miniseries about the serial killer Charles Sabraj, and he apparently killed a ton of people in the 70s on the hippie trail in Asia. Oh. He would pretend to be a gem dealer and then sort of drug these young, naive hippies, get them really sick, take their money, their passports, their traveler's checks, and then frequently also murder them. Oh, shit. Mm. Yeah, and he had a woman with him who helped him out as well as a young man who was kind of his protege who also Ooh. helped him murder people. So mm. the show is really cool because it it's sort of broken into two parts. Each episode follows him and what he's doing and how he managed to kill all these people and how he's evading the police. And then the other side is about this Dutch diplomat who's in Bangkok and has kind of discovered 
that there's this guy who's murdered a couple of Dutch people and then he realizes that it's like a much bigger thing and he starts to investigate and all of that is a true thing that happened I mean I know that a lot of this is fictionalized but this guy actually existed and is the one who helped to catch him so it's interesting because part of it is more of like a procedural where you're seeing how he's investigating and the trouble he's having with people not being willing to listen to him that there's an actual serial killer happening and then the other part is about the serial killer and what's happening with him so yeah i would really recommend it and rachel you'd probably like it because there's a lot of 70s costuming in it oh yes i do <laughs> yeah <laughs> so is it is it like a fiction or is it like yes, a, a, it's a drama. traumatized okay mm-hmm. okay 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 yeah that's probably it's... why it slipped under my radar because if it were a true crime documentary i would have been like right from a murder show <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm not always for the dramatized ones but this one is done at such a high quality the acting is so good it looks fantastic it's really good i would say the one con with it is that so for the parts with the dutch diplomat everything in time is happening happening linearly that's not a word how do you say that <laughs> linearly linearly uh-huh yeah and so all of it's happening in order but with the serial killer plot line it goes back and forth in time a lot so that are you, can talking, be... are you looking for chronologically is that the yes. word you're looking for sure okay <laughs> <laughs> Um, but with the serial killer, it just goes back and forth. And occasionally that can be a little confusing, but, um, I would highly recommend this one. If you're all interested in serial killer stuff, this is one I had never really heard about or read about before. So it was just really interesting. And again, super well acted. Sounds great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good looking out. I don't know how I missed that. I think I'm looking at the poster and it looks like it's very seventies. It doesn't necessarily read as like serial killer. So yeah, the only have... way I knew about it is because Netflix does that dumb thing where they have the trailers play the second you open the goddamn web. Oh, I actually yeah. hate that. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. But I discovered this show that way. So I guess it's working. Uh-huh. Who got the last <laughs> laugh now? Netflix. <laughs> awesome. All right. How about you, Matilda? What have you been watching? Uh, well, I just started Them last night. Has anyone oh, else started this? Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. It's on my list, though. I'm hearing it's... conflicting things. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to hear what you think. Uh, so far, I'm um, I'm interested. I definitely want to see more. And I didn't realize that this is season one of what is going to be an anthology oh, series. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison Pill is a great villain. Okay. I do love Allison Pill. Yeah. And the performances in this are really good. Um, okay including the child actors okay which is tougher yeah um yeah it's it's really interesting so far i i would definitely say check it out and let me know what you think i will say there is if you are nervous about animal stuff definitely look it up on does the dog die because the end of episode one beginning of episode two has some animal stuff no yeah (laughs) and you don't see it. it happen but you see something upsetting so definitely look that up if you and spoil that for yourself if you need to not see that okay thank you yeah because we all know how i feel about that yeah i I know i watched another movie this week i forgot to talk about that had like an on-screen cat death it's been a rough week (laughs) the other thing i've been watching is calls which was one of our zombie girls curious about this yes 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 how is this it seems interesting I love it. 
I'm not okay. all the way through yet, but I love it. It is um, so interesting because it's just auditory. Yeah. And then it's subtitled and they show what the, what they are, like voice waves, basically. Mm-hmm. And they do that in a kind of, it looks like whoever does the lights for fish is kind of, you know, <laughs> doing that. But it's... It's really compelling and things kind of tie together and kind of don't. Okay. Um, and it's mysterious and the act, the performances are great. And they're all, there's some really big name actors mm-hmm. in this. And it's, it's so cool to see what they're doing with just the auditory form. So is it something you would recommend watching or is it something you would put on and you can do other things while you listen? Kind of more like podcast style. I had thought it was going to be like that, but you can't because, you know, people who listen to this know I'm a big knitter. And so I would think I could knit while I was watching this, but you actually want to watch. Okay. Because you want to see the, you want to see the, the visual effects are part of the story. They are. Okay. Okay. I mean, I was thinking to me, yeah, I've been kind of like holding it off for when I have to do like a big project around the house. And I was like, oh, I'll just slam that on in the background. But it sounds like maybe I need to sit down and watch it. Well, and some of them are quick. Some of them are like 15 minutes. Okay. And some of them are like 30. Okay. I think it's really interesting. It is a little bit, it has a little bit to do with technology, but not a ton. So, you know, it has a slight black mirror-y thing. So, Ariel, I'm not sure it would be totally up your alley. Okay, gotcha. But I I think it's really interesting. You could watch like one or two and they're so quick, it, it would not be much investment. Yeah. And see if you like it, but I really like it. Okay. All right. I'm going to check that out because Mm -hmm. I was very curious about it. And it it is so strange that I was kind of like, huh, this will either be really cool or really weird. Or both. They're they're very (laughs) affecting. Okay. Like more so than you would think. Okay. And it kind of goes back to a time when like we would be on the phone with each other. Yeah. Which doesn't happen so much. So maybe that's the other piece of it that I like is it's like almost like a is lost it two form. people talking? Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was like a call in kind of thing. And it was just like, oh, so it's like a conversation. No, it's like you drop into different calls around the world. Ooh. But they're phone calls. Yeah. It's, I think it's, I think it's interesting. And I suppose you, like you could totally fold laundry listening to watching it, but there is something about the visuals that helps set the tone. Okay. Yeah. Let That's me know cool. what you think if you try it. Oh, I'm going to. I'm very curious about it. Yeah. I just, I had a lot of watch, a lot of saws. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I yes. still got like five more to go. <laughs> oh <my> yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. And oh. then the other things are things that I heard about from you all that I've caught up on. One being Servant. Yes. Um, Surprise. Surprise. I know that's what Mr. Matilda calls it. Surprise. <laughs> Which is really the title of any M. Night Shyamalan property. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what did you think? What do you think of Servant? I feel like I'm always like telling people to watch this and nobody watches Apple T- Apple Plus. So it's like totally under the radar. So I'm delighted anytime someone dips in. So I love this. It's a long form M. Night Shyamalan property. So there is this like, there better be a payoff eventually. About this. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. Although I feel like it's already paid some stuff off. It has. It mm-hmm. has yeah. gone some very weird places. It sure has. Very <laughs> weird places. 
And the fact that I'm still watching it is incredible because my thing that I am squeamish about mm-hmm. is meat. Yeah. Oh, and right. the it's a level. very meat forward series. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah, the maybe this is too much of a spoiler, but we can cut it. Uh the placenta um yeah. Yeah. pastry tower. I had completely yes. forgot. You know what? I had completely <laughs> forgotten about the paste the, the placenta thing. The like, placenta crocambouche. Yeah. I think I, I like had I had blocked it out. <laughs> yeah, it's so much like uh organ meat. Yeah. Yeah, especially in, in that movie. first season. Uh-huh. But I love Lauren Ambrose, and she's yes. not in much anymore. No. Um, mm-hmm. And I think is really underutilized. She's, she's great, so and good. I will say this: like <laughs> I told Rachel, I was like, Rupert Grint is the next Nicolas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, him running through the house, banging on a pot with a wooden sc- spoon, yelling "baby, baby!" <laughs> I just feel like that's where he's going. Uh huh. Is into full Nicolas Cage. I would he, love that, honestly. He's yeah, awesome. he's so. I think he's so. He didn't get to do as much in the first season, but I feel like he really his character like really came into its own in the second yeah. season. Oh like, yeah, when they're having that like Christmas luncheon and he's just like <laughs> coked out of his fucking gourd, <laughs> and he's like, "We're having fun." <laughs> yeah, he's great. Whoever plays that uncle who rings out his chicken oh, is yes. great. That um, guy is so scary in everything. Yeah. He's like, whenever he shows up, I'm like, oh, you in danger, girl. Because yeah. <laughs> he is he is truly like this. He's a character actor who specializes in being absolutely fucking terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. His yeah. facial expressions are just so unsettling. When he's just like slamming his head into the, the freaking wall oh, to, yeah. to love shack. I was like, what the fuck? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, have you seen any of this yet? No, not yet. Oh, it's so wild. Yeah, it's, you gotta watch it. <laughs> I mean, it starts every episode, slow and like, goes, yeah. Fuck? Yeah, it starts slow and then there's like a man slamming his head into the wall to love Shaq by the end, by season two. And then the, v- the beta tapes. Oh. <laughs> I was so excited when uh, that aunt showed up because I couldn't see her at first and I thought it was... I know. What is her name from Mayor, uh, Winningham, right? I thought it was Mayor Winningham. <laughs> yeah, no. Listen. Um, yeah, but I'm loving that. And then I also, my other assignment was to watch The Boys. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, so I watched The Boys. I liked it. I really liked it. It's not a superhero show, even though it's a superhero show. Yes. Yeah, it really, like you said, the violence is quick and intense. Oh, yes. And there's much less like who would win in a thing between like which I could care less about ever. Yes, um, sure. it's much more like you said about the kind of like corporate and religious underpinnings of like the uh-huh. good and evil piece. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and like the marketing of good and evil, and that mm-hmm. part was so good. Yay! I'm so glad. Yeah. yeah. So I'll be in, and I, I mean, immediately I found Homelander to be deeply creepy. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That guy is good at being creepy. He really is. Now do you understand all of the, like, what America thinks it is, Captain America memes, and what America actually is, Homelander? (laughs) So accurate. Oh, I haven't seen those. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. When that first came out, that was, like, all the memes were, yeah, basically, like, this is actually America. I was just, like, 
texting Rachel like now you know we're like a few episodes in and there's an alt-right superhero doing like lactation play with the lady from Karate Kid like what am I watching <laughs> I was like I told you this was for you <laughs> I, I guess I should have just wrote that sentence and you would have watched it yeah, like I would have watched it I would have watched it <laughs> yes so, so thank you very for, satisfying thank you for keeping after me to watch this one because I I really liked it did you enjoy the girls get it done scene? Oh, it's so good. Oh, yeah. So I was like, after it was over, I was like, rewind. <laughs> watch yeah. again. Rewind one more time. <laughs> Let's watch this Nazi get her ass kicked. Oh, yeah. And Frenchie's like uh, kind of polyamorous pod is like my favorite piece. Of oh, show. oh, I my love God. Frenchie. Frenchie, if Frenchie dies, I fucking riot oh yeah yes, right <laughs> I, half oh, my man. anxiety watching that show is just being like frenchie let frenchie live let, like the first season i was a hundred percent sure frenchie was a goner yeah um, oh i know and i was so upset when like he got hurt i was like <gasps> yeah not frenchie mm-hmm. he's the yeah. betty white he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's the betty white. of course i'm betty white awesome well that sounds good sounds like you had a better week than i did or a better month than i did so congratulations you're welcome you're welcome for making you watch these yeah we'll talk about that later (laughs) all right sarah what have you been watching okay so on your recommendation the wife started watching resident alien and i've been watching it too and I gotta say that that show actually is it lives up to the hype. It's so good. It, yeah, it's I, so wholesome. It is, it, <laughs> and honestly, not the not the little boy, but his friend. His friend is wonderful. Oh, she's oh, yeah. great. She's yeah. great. She's so cute. Mm-hmm. I yeah, when they're just like extorting him in the diner, I'm like, <laughs> oh, this show is so good. Yeah, yeah, she's super adorable, and I I really like her. But yeah, just the, like the whole absurdity of it is just hilarious. His obsession with law, law and order never stops being funny to me. Oh, like I when, know. He, when he's having the fantasy of getting a tattoo and it's Jerry Orbach, <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Orbach face tattoo, I was like dying. I really should watch that show then because I have a Jerry Orbach T-shirt. You absolutely wait a minute. You should. haven't watched Resident Alien yet, Ariel. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have opened my mouth, actually. <laughs> You're going to have such a good time, Erin. Yeah, have, I will yeah. put it on. I told you, you, you convinced me with Ted Lasso, so I, I will did. definitely give this one a try. Awesome. What else have you been watching? <laughs> uh, a Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying that. I'm definitely enjoying the, uh, the, the chemistry between uh, Falcon and Bucky. Uh-huh. And uh, oh, John Walker. God. I know. He's so punchable. I know I love that actor so much, but he's doing such a good job of being the worst. Yeah, he's 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 Homelander in Captain America's outfit. Yeah, well, I mean, except for he has like, oh yeah, I guess so because he's also just like got this deep insecurity. Yeah, and then and you know I like the fact that they they're bringing in lore that like a lot of people forgot about, like you know the the dirty little secret of the Super Soldier Project. Yes, that has been very interesting. And that how it was like followed yeah. up by that scene where the cops show up and Bucky has one reaction and Sam has a totally different one because the stakes are totally different for the two of them. Yeah, and how they're with with Bucky, you know, sir, is this man bothering you? You know, and yeah. he's like, No, we're just talking and you know, yeah. 
and then they realize it's Falcon. And they're like, "Oh, can we get your autograph?" And yeah, like the scene, like the scene in the bank. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, superheroes don't really get paid. Yeah, it's interesting. It's and I like the sort of the focus on the way that the world changed after the snap, like the effect on like the sociopolitical landscape and how it created you think of like oh when everybody returns that's such a great thing because all these people have been snapped out of existence what it ultimately did was create just like a you know a ton of refugees people who were invited in and forced out of of out of different countries and stuff um and left kind of like oh well too bad go starve somewhere Mm -hmm. was really interesting and i kind of like because one of the things i always didn't like about the captain america movies was they were so like rah-rah patriotic in a way that did not at all examine that. Yeah. And so this show, I think, is definitely being like, okay, once you step out of Tony Stark's ivory tower and see the impact all of the shit is happening is has had, it's really interesting, which is why I'm also so glad to see Baron Zemo back. Is he is my favorite villain. He's the mm-hmm. best villain from from MCU, in my opinion. That is the hill that I will die on. Um <laughs> And so, like, and I, like, how his whole thing about how super soldiers is, like, based in supremacy, and anybody who would take the super soldier serum is a supremacist, was, like, super interesting. And I was like, yes, all right, Marvel. A little late, but welcome to the party. Right? So, that's, that's been, that's been a real, a real good one to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, Also, we got Baron Zemo dancing, which is the most important thing. You've seen the extended cut of that, right? Oh, of course! <laughs> I stay in the know when it comes to Baron Zemo. <laughs> All right, I know, I already know Matilda, but Ariel, are you watching Winter Soldier? <laughs> no, I haven't started yet because I'm still working my way through WandaVision. Ah, mm. okay. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i'm looking forward to it and i want to see the loki show when that comes out too yeah i'm looking forward to that yep definitely that one looks like it's gonna be fun as long as it's thor ragnarok vibes not yeah thor, yeah yeah. It, love yeah and i thunder. guess that's true <laughs> whatever that what whatever no love and was. thunder i'm looking forward to because that's the no, one love... with like lady thor but yeah okay that's that's the, that's one that's you're coming thinking out. of was... um the second uh, world dark world Ooh. yeah <laughs> that one is rough roof stoof like you can definitely see like a, a line from like you can draw like a line in marvel movies like when guardian came out and then after guardian came out like marvel got fun yeah yeah they quit taking itself so damn serious that's mm-hmm. true yeah all right so what i have been watching <laughs> on that note uh so you know how matilda is saying she hates things where it's like who would win in a fight well the first thing i watched was godzilla versus kong <laughs> i was so excited to see that it came out on a day that i had off i was all set woke up that morning with a massive migraine oh, oh no, no. Like, yeah that's not a movie to watch with a migraine have you seen no. it yet not yet Okay, well, I'm not going to spoil it. Don't worry. So this is the latest in the Godzilla movies, which finally brings our two alphas together to fight. Godzilla and Kong. Matilda is on the edge of her seat. She paid for her whole seat, but she's only using the edge. Um... (laughs) So, okay. So this time around, the film was directed by Adam Wingard, who, as a horror fan, I love Adam Wingard. He directed Your Next, The Guest, and A Horrible Way to Die, all really great movies. And he's, I, so he's an actor or director that I always am really interested in, even 
So when he like even with a situation like this where we're dealing with a very uneven franchise, um, for instance, I really like Kong Island, or Kong Skull Island, but King of Monsters was shockingly bad. I cannot believe it got a sequel. It's so fucking bad. So yeah, I went into this with pretty moderate hopes. You know, Adam Wingard mm-hmm. versus having just seen King of Monsters, which is really bad, you guys. It's really really bad. <laughs> And as always with this movie, the weakest part is definitely the human element. I'm always amazed by sort of the caliber of actors and character actors they get to do these movies where they like, I mean, I, I'm like, did you read the script? Because it's just them spouting nonsense, psycho, like pseudoscience mm-hmm. for like, but for like long periods of time. Oh. And then there'll be like a little bit of a, uh, of a monster fight, which is like what we're actually fair you know therefore and i think that that's definitely somewhat true in this movie but much less so it it does not have the the you know family drama that is always central in these movies uh with the exception of kong island where it's like you know fathers and sons coming back together or strained relationships and then one of them dies and it, it's mm-hmm. very that um and this one kind of skirts most of that there's some really ridiculous shit in here like but i I won't say because it's i don't want to spoil but for the most part we don't have any family drama which i think really helps this movie and i do think that adam winger got the hint that like we're not here for the people we just want them to be present for scale but we just want to see monsters fight. And so there's some really great monster fight set pieces throughout this movie. To the I point really where this movie... I just the people in the movie so I can see them get squished. Yes! And you will <laughs> see them get squished. You will see them get eaten. You will see them get torn apart. Good times will be had by all. Yeah, and it's it kind it really is kind of on the scale of a disaster movie because cities get leveled in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, where are they? Are they in Singapore? Has a bad time in this one. There's also, like, a really great fight out in the ocean on top of some, like, aircraft carriers. Yeah, really, really great fight scene. There's also the introduction of Hollow Earth. I mean, I think it got mentioned in previous episodes. It's like, maybe that's where all of the Titans are from. But we get more into Hollow Earth, which is absurd. But Mm -hmm. it's also fun in the way that those, like, old adventure movies from the 50s and 60s were you know i mean like it's very journey to the center of the earth and the science is so dumb so dumb <laughs> i i kept going like yeah, i wh- heard that like how is there plant life in the middle of the earth you know what i mean like that kind of stuff um yeah. but you just kind of gotta go with it right you know kong has to get his axe somewhere right so so yeah i don't know Th- these movies are supposed to be dumb fun and in this case i think more so than the previous entries it manages to be both dumb and actually fun so yeah i liked it quite a bit plus it has julian dennison from the hunt for the wilder people and deadpool 2 so it Hmm. wins on that alone i didn't know he was in it and he just shows up and i was like oh no i'm fucking in i love this kid he, and he's funny and adorable, as always, in it. So, yeah, I ended up really enjoying Kong Godzilla vs. Kong. Is it a good movie? No. But it is very dumb and very fun. And if you want to see them fight, they do a lot for a long time. And shit awesome. gets smooshed. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. The other thing I watched is a movie called The Empty Man. Have you guys even heard of this? No. 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 Okay. So this came out last year and it 100% flew under my radar. I completely missed it. and But it kept popping up as a recommendation on Dreadit. Now, Dreadit has done me wrong in the past i have watched some shitty movies people recommended but i was like all right i'm giving this one more chance because i have nothing to talk about on what you've been watching so i need to watch something (laughs) (laughs) so i took a chance on it and honestly i i think it's really interesting i I don't want to spoil it but so roughly it's it starts in bhutan in the like 1980s And there is a group of hikers that end up discovering something really creepy and really strange in the mountains. And it kind of turns their trip into a bad time. (laughs) Yeah. And then it flashes forward to present day in Missouri. And there's been this rash of strange suicides with people writing The Empty Man Made Me Do It before they die. And this girl goes missing and their ex-cop neighbor decides to help try to track her down and find out where, where she is. And it goes into culty places. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. She's maybe involved or been taken by or something invo- something to do with this cult that has something to do with the empty man. And it's it's weird. This movie is kind of like four movies that have been smooshed together. It's like The Ring and The Shrine and The Ninth Gate and then like some oh. Wes Craven teen movie all smooshed into one. Hmm. And hmm. mostly it works. It's a it's long though. I will say this movie is like two hours long because like the prologue is by itself is like a half hour long. But it has a very wild ending. And I do feel like it kind of has hidden gem potential. Like if you just stumbled upon this, you'd be like, what is this wild ass movie? Mm. Yeah. So I think when this shows up on a streaming service, which inevitably everything shows up, you know, at some point, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, for the ending alone... I really did not see it coming. Oh, that's unusual. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Great. I think, Ariel, you'll really like it because a big portion of the movie is an investigation. Okay. I'm in. Yeah. It's a weird one. I, I hope other people have seen this because I feel like nobody's even heard of it. And I want to know what other people think. It sounds about... good. Yeah. Sounds it is good. It's just weird. I don't know. You'll see. You'll see. All right. So that's what I have been watching. All right, we are going to be reviewing the films Antiviral and Possessor. But before we get into that, we'll take a quick break and listen to this ad from our buddies over at Here's Johnny. And then we'll get into those movies. Tales of giant monsters are as old as tales themselves. But what makes those stories fit into the kaiju genre and just how scary can they be? Larry and Justin are pursuing this very knowledge on the Here's Johnny podcast, a horror show that arrives every week. Just like your favorite radio drama, but instantly through forbidden sciences known as Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. There are a ton of kaiju out there to learn about. Just listen to your local emergency officials and stay out of their paths. Wait, say that again? Uh, Sorry, folks. I'm getting a message from our staff. Uh, Folks, we're getting reports that a massive creature has just risen off the coast of this station and is heading this way. Please follow evacuation protocol and... Thank <laughs> you. 
listen to the Here's Johnny podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And we're back. Let's talk about Brandon Cronenberg. Now, <laughs> Matilda, <laughs> my dear. I am responsible for this. Yes, you were in charge of programming for this episode. Why don't you tell us a little bit about why you decided on these films? Um, well, as I'll, as you all know, like the thing that tends to make a good horror movie for me is if I feel disturbed uh-huh. and if it sticks with me. Yeah. And both of these were movies that really stuck with me. Possessor, we talked about it, our best of 2020 mm-hmm. episode was one that really stuck with me. And Antiviral is his other movie that I had seen before because at the beginning of the pandemic, I thought... Maybe we should have pandemic themed movies. And I watched that and I was like, I'm not putting anybody through this right now. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, especially, which we'll talk about, like the way that he extracts the virus from himself in the beginning, where I was like, oh, oh we all know what that feels like now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I just think he has a really interesting, I think he's, I'm not sure he's there yet with coming into his full form or whatever mm. as a director, but I think think he has some really interesting things to say and possessor was also the movie that i recommended to my college roommate and then got a text from her like what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> like i told my husband she's a therapist like how can this be this is so fucked um, wow i feel like i must be so fucking broken because <laughs> that's surprising to me yeah yeah when i rewatched it i was like oh yeah i can see like I, was, I mean, I'd be like, don't watch it with your mom because there's a wrecked dong. But like the rest of it, I would have been like, yeah, it's fine. Proceed. I did recommend it to my mom and she really loved it. So of there's course. that. Yeah. Your mom knows what's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kat made the mistake because she was watching the uh, she was watching all the movies that we recommended for the year end review. Oh, of watching this <laughs> and Hunter <laughs> Hunter back to back. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> That's a bad day. I yeah. feel like we were very clear, though, that they were both feel bad movies. <laughs> More yeah. so, Hunter Hunter. Like that. The whole point of that is just like how brutal it is. Yeah. Have you mm-hmm. seen that one yet, Matilda? No, remember. not yet. Prepare to feel bad. Yeah. Yes. Real, real. it's so good but yeah it's not gonna make you feel great and i made the mistake of watching that on the same day i watched the dark and the wicked and that's a lot (laughs) you know what the woman from the dark and the wicked is in that in the empty man oh really okay interesting yeah okay all right well i feel like that somewhat explains yourself uh (laughs) yeah and like there's a body horror quality to both of these that i find really interesting yeah um yeah especially antiviral yeah mm-hmm. yeah we were watching it and i was watching it with uh with my partner and he was like is this horror and we were like i was like yeah it's body horror that's what body <laughs> yeah <laughs> 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 this uh, that is true that is very very true all right so let me give you a little background on old antiviral since we're going to start with that we'll do these chronologically yeah okay linearly some people might say um <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> All right, so this is the feature film debut of one Brandon Cronenberg, which considering, honestly, how assured the direction is in this is pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. Uh, Cronenberg originally started writing this film while in film school, which means he 
spent about eight years writing and working on it on and off. Yeah. It started when he was really sick himself and he was laying there being clearly someone who is very much living in his own head, thinking about the physical nature of his virus and how he now had something living in his body that had come from someone else's body Mm. and how that was like in some ways a very intimate thing. And then from there he thought about how celebrity obsessed fans might want someone's cold as a way of feeling physical, like a physical connection to them. And so from there he began to see it as like a, a discussion on celebrity cultural and how visceral celebrity culture has become and antiviral was born. Uh, it premiered at Cannes in 2012 and won for Best Canadian First Feature Film at the Toronto International Film Festival. So there's some background on antiviral for you. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Ariel, you have the synopsis for this bad boy. Why don't you lay it on us? I do. But before I give the synopsis, do we want to do the spoiler Oh, warning? of course. Yes, Sarah, please give us our spoiler warning. Okay, folks. Uh... You should know by now our spoiler warning, but if you don't, we spoil the shit out of everything. So, uh, if you haven't seen these, watch these before you hear us talk about it, or prepare to be spoiled. Yep. I wrote that in red, bold font, and I still missed it. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell is wrong with me, you guys? (sighs) Your brain is being rotten from lack of sleep and too many Saw movies. Yeah, like my brain still, I I feel like my brain is in like that twisting device from Saw 3. All right, (laughs) Ariel, (laughs) tell us the, give us the synopsis for uh, Antiviral, please. Okay. So antiviral takes place in a world in which viruses are harvested from celebrities and sold to the public. Sid works for a company that sells these viruses and secretly injects himself with them at work so that he can later sell them on the black market. But when he injects himself with the blood of a celebrity who is dying, he becomes violently ill and gets pulled further and further into the criminal underworld as he tries to figure out who created the virus that infected her. Yes, yes, yes. All mm-hmm. right. So, Ariel, what did you think of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Should we save you for a little bit later? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. The Were way you were just going to shit on the whole thing? So. Uh, I just know that near future tech dystopia <laughs> is not exactly your erogenous zone. So, yeah, <laughs> it's the opposite of that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so like you said, these aren't the type of movies that I generally gravitate towards, but I was actually looking forward to this one because Possessor was my number one rated movie from last year. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much, even though, again, it's not made for me. Right. And... I, that is was just a shocking twist for me when you were like, number <laughs> I one. I know. Um, but there's something about the addition of the body horror and all of the interesting visuals that Brandon Cronenberg uses his, in his films that kind of changes things for me. Now, I will say I liked this one a little less than I liked Possessor. Yeah. Um, I think that he goes some interesting places with this discussion about our obsession with celebrity but i don't know that that theme is fully formed in the same way that some of the ideas are in possessor and it's just hard to watch people be sick for a whole movie yeah yeah (laughs) i can see that um so i found it to be 
slightly less enjoyable than Possessor, but I still really like a lot of the things that it did. Um, there are, like I said, amazing visuals, that scene where he has the tubes coming out of his arm and his mouth transforms. Yes. Yes. It's so rad and bizarre. It's very, very cool. Uh, there's so much done with blood in this movie that's both beautiful and disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um I think all the criminal underground stuff was fascinating too. This whole world where people are trading in viruses and stealing them from each other and creating machines so that they can do that. And and then the above board stuff of making cell stakes out of celebrity DNA or however they were doing that is yeah. so repulsive. But uh-huh. also all of these things, even though they feel gross and icky it's not that far of a leap from what we're already doing with celebrity Mm -hmm. obsessions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh which you know which keeps you gripped i think because there Mm -hmm. is a sense of reality to it even though it is sort of an over-the-top version of that um and i just i really like the main actor i don't remember what his name is the guy who played sid but I thought he was really good and just fascinating to watch. And I know this has nothing to do with his performance, but I think his freckles are amazing. They're, yeah. I, oh. <laughs> yes. Agree. He's filmed like a beautiful, like celeb, um, directors usually film beautiful women. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. The way it lingers on him and his skin mm-hmm. and like his back and chest. Yes, exactly. And his eyelashes. Yeah. Yes. He's the brother in Get Out. Do you remember it's, that? He's the oh, that's oh, right. he mm-hmm. He's the creepy Marnie from Girls' brother. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. He's really good. I, yeah. He should get more work. His name is Caleb Landry Jones. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. he's fascinating to look at and mm-hmm. he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised he's not yeah. in more things, honestly. Yep. Um, and then we can get into it, get into it more. But I love the ending of this movie. It's yeah. so, it's so terrible and terrifying, <laughs> um, and awful. But but it makes so much sense. And oh, it's hard to watch, but it's really good. I, yeah. I mean, honestly, that kind of sums up the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. How about you, Sarah? What did you think of this movie? Um. Well. I really, I actually really enjoyed this movie. This is actually a universe that I want to see expanded. Mm. Like, I want to know, I want to know what is so wrong in somebody's life that they would want, they would pay to get celebrity herpes. Right. Yeah. Right. That they would pay to eat steaks made from a celebrity DNA. My biggest complaint with the movie that everybody talks like this. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of varied acting very styles in this. Here. Yeah. 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 Everybody just talks so quiet and, and there's a lot of dialogue. So it's just like, oh, you have to have subtitles on with this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. I did have to put on subtitles. You're correct. Glad it's not just me and my aging ears. That's a relief. Yeah. But, and, and yeah. Uh, Caleb Landry Jones is great in this, and and like like even his own body horror, the way he like just small things like you know everybody's standing straight, and you can see one of his shoulders is just a little bit down than everybody, and then you know after a while he's walking with a, a cane and he's hunched and he's got the the hunchback and and yeah just, yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah, really like this movie. 
Awesome. Awesome. Now, Matilda, you selected this movie, I'm guessing, for a reason. How did you, how did you feel this about this movie? Uh, so when I was first watching this movie, it was the beginning of the pandemic, uh, is mm-hmm. when I first watched this. And when they got to the celebrity stakes, I was like, oh, I'm so in. Like, so when they talk about the cell garden and there are these little like um, bell jars with celebrity skin on crosses, I was like, okay, this is for me. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I love this and it's because it's kind of like, it kind of feels like if David Fincher thought like Margaret Atwood. Uh-huh, right, uh-huh, like it kind uh-huh. of has that near future, like slightly kinky. <laughs> yeah, right, like yeah, I feel yeah. like it's a kind of like a cultural kink. Is the yeah. is like yeah. Sarah what you were saying about like why would you want celebrity herpes and where he's selling this to someone and it's like if she kissed you it would be right here. <laughs> he's selling it to the the brother from Big Love. Yeah. yeah, even the sensual way in which he speaks as he's selling them the product. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that there's this kind of, and it's very sterile, but um, the color in this movie is really interesting to me. Like, everything is black and white and gray, except Mm -hmm. for the blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the car that takes him to her Mm -hmm. is dark red like the blood, and her lipstick, it's like lipstick blood um, in the car. Um, I don't, there's just something that is captured about that makes it, almost not weird like it's so weird yeah but it's it's captured in a way that's effective enough that you're like oh i kind of get it Hmm. i kind of get it and yeah the underworld piece about the trade in this stuff was super mm-hmm. interesting to me yeah uh-huh. it was it was hard to watch now at the end of the pandemic with like the the nose extraction that looks like a coronavirus <laughs> test. I was like, yeah. oh, and, t- and he's doing it till he coughs. I was like, there it is. Yep. There it is. And, and just watching him be that sick mm-hmm. towards the end yeah. of the movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was really hard. Yeah. Rachel, what did you think about it? So this is a movie that I had intentionally avoided. In oh no! <laughs> I, I thought it looked like it might be very up its own butt, butt and boring. And yeah, uh, as a bit of a, of a hypochondriac (laughs) a whisper of a hypochondriac the subject matter seemed like it might be a little too much for me but you know what i loved this movie oh good i fucking loved this movie i think i liked this movie more than possessor oh i know that that is yeah probably an unpopular sentiment on this podcast but i think i like this one better and i really and i actually think the ideas were more fully formed in this movie i have like the opposite opinion of everybody else i feel like (laughs) possessor is a little a little more amorphous where this one feels like a very clear someone who has spent their life as the child of a celebrity their view on what celebrity culture is like oh that's interesting yeah I didn't you know what i mean about the, that. the divide between who people actually are and the way that they are commodified and presented and the creation that is made as a result of of like, the persona creation that is made by sort of like almost like a pop culture tulpa you know what i mean like that kind of stuff i think is really well explored in this movie by someone oh, yeah. who's had a front row seat to a um, to a celebrity who's kind of like a body horror celebrity so people's interest in that celebrity is probably mm-hmm. a little kinky like this like yes mm-hmm. yeah i read a bunch of interviews with brandon cronenberg and every single one 
is just asking about his dad over and mm. over and no. over again. And he is so fucking over it. <laughs> yeah, his responses yeah. are very... He's like, I am not interested in legacy. I did not even watch my father's films. Please stop. Um, but yeah, and I think that a lot of that is very clearly being processed in this movie in a way that I, I felt was pretty great. But the mm-hmm. other thing that I really love about this movie is that it's essentially, it's a cyberpunk movie, but through the lens of an Apple store. Yes. <laughs> You know, like that the aesthetic, good way to put it. how sanitized, yeah, yeah, yes, it's clinical but highly designed. You know what I mean? And, and menacingly corporate. Yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. And so, and it and it delved into all kinds of cool cyberpunk stuff, like corporate espionage and the underground and how the you'll see like the fringes of the technology and how it gets darker and more disturbing on those fringes it's all very cyberpunk even the way that they use the images of hannah geis like these super oversized images of her everywhere in this case it's not neon signs in the city it's these huge oversized pictures but like you constantly have that same sort of oppressive sense of gigantic eyes watching you at all times which is you know very fundamental to the aesthetics of Mm -hmm. cyberpunk and it's It's all the same picture yes Mm -hmm. and it's but i mean it's just through this different it's like a different skin essentially yeah. over the cyberpunk story. So I loved that. I loved it. Like when it went to like very noir places where he's doing his investigation and like gumshoeing around trying to find out who, mm-hmm. who the, who the corporate spy is that basically, you know, did whatever he did to this virus. I loved the weird use of technology and how they used the the faces to as fingerprints for the different, mm-hmm. like it was the face of the virus. There's just like a lot of really cool visual ideas in this movie that I had never seen before. And of course we've talked about it. The body horror is excellent. Like when yeah. it, it really gets into Tetsuo territory where he's like mm-hmm. becoming one with the machine in his fever dream, yeah. which is just yeah. super rad cyberpunk. You know, it, it, that way it touches on like the body modification, which essentially this is, but instead of it being technology, it's these engineered viruses that people are modifying their body with, which is of course extremely cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I loved that about it. And I thought that the way that it got, I mean, as someone who has to occasionally write about celebrities, I thought this really nailed the way that we just sort of deify and then autopsy celebrities. Yes. There are times where I have to write about stories and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is a news story because someone wrote a tweet is a news story. And so that shit felt so resonant to me. And I liked that it took it to very absurd places like the obsession with her labia or the uh-huh. uh, there's like a one quick news story about like, we got to talk about Uranus. And I'm like, yeah. yes, we might as well be, you mm-hmm. know. And there's also kind of like a discussion about like whether someone deserves fame and the and that fame is its own sort of creation. And I would present you with the hype house as an example of how like, yes, this movie's from 2012, but this is our lived reality right now that right. like people are famous for being famous on TikTok, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I felt like it was actually a pretty incisive critique of celebrity culture. And we talked about with the boys how like superhero stuff connects with corporate culture. I felt like this kind of 
showed that kind of connection between corporate culture and the commodification of these people, literally in this case. Mm-hmm. Would, yeah. So I don't know. I thought that was really great. Somewhere in my, I don't remember where I read it in my research, but there was something about how, I think it's something Brandon was actually talking about how we now want a piece of celebrity way that if you look back through history, people wanted pieces of saints and they would carry around knuckle bones and things like that of saints. Right. This is an interesting exploration of just what is fundamental to human nature. Mm-hmm. Like what is in our nature that makes us want a piece of these people and have always wanted a piece of these, whatever they, whatever sort of person we're deifying at this point, whether it's a saint or it's a celebrity, we want, we want a piece of that. And uh, in this case, quite literally a piece of that. And I think that was... Yeah, the the idea that we want sort of ownership over celebrity bodies too. It made me think of that movie that Sarah had us watch a couple years ago about the woman, the celebrity who dies and she ends up in the morgue and then the guys rape her because they think she's dead. Mm -hmm. It just made me think about in that movie, it's like you know nothing about the celebrity at all. And they are absolutely obsessed and think that they have the right to her body. And I feel like this movie says really similar things about that. You know, we know Mm -hmm. nothing about this celebrity other than her face, you know, other than what she looks like. Mm -hmm. And these people are so obsessed, they're willing to go to any length to have a piece of her to be connected to her. Yeah. And it's not, like I said, it's not that different from what people do today. You know, being obsessed with every product that a celebrity shills or wanting to have their pictures or wanting to get plastic surgery to make yourself look like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think it's interesting that her name is Hannah Geist, mm. which is the German word for ghost. Oh, is she, it? Okay. Yeah. It, it, she doesn't oh. really exist as a person in this movie. Right. Even no, when we all. actually, yeah. intera- when he interacts with her, she haunts this movie. Mm-hmm. She is a specter, an idea, um, but she's in ev- almost every frame of the movie, yeah. even, mm-hmm. even though she's not actually present. And I think that that was a very intentional character name, choice of character name. Right. And he has a kind of intense relationship with her also. Yeah. Like you don't say. Yeah. 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 I was wondering when you were watching this, Rachel, I was like, oh, not only is it viral, but it's also like needles. Like how did you do um, with the viral just, needle? It part? was not great. <laughs> Sorry, Which is a testament to how fucking good this movie is. That yeah. I was like every two minutes being happened to be like <laughs> and it was like clear that they like had a full bottomist on set because those were that did I don't think those were practical effects. I think people no. were getting the needs. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I really appreciated about this is most movies when they have people taking blood, they just like stab the needle in at a ninety degree angle. And this yeah. one, they actually did it the proper way mm-hmm. that you would actually have. Yeah. It yeah. That's why I think they had like an actual yeah. full bottomist. I, like, I think on they set. probably did. Uh, yeah, yeah, but there's some period of this movie where they just keep drawing blood from the sky, and I was like, yeah. oh, how's Rachel doing? <laughs> it was not great, my friend. But I but think I... that's a testament to Brandon Cronenberg as a director, that you, with your own issues around needles and illness, loved this movie, and oh, I, I, with my near-tech future dystopia, like the fact that I hate that, I still like this movie a lot. I, mean, I think that says something about how good he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't believe this is his first movie. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I know. I think I actually, I like this one a little better because it's a little bit more body horror and the Possessor feels like a little bit more like a spy movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know, antiviral is like for me. Like once we got to those stakes, I was like, 
the steaks <laughs> the, soul, guys. the fucking oh. steaks fuck when he's They're sitting so there eating the steaks Ugh. at the table oh god it's so, so gross. gross it's so repulsive and when the the restaurant is like they think they're getting hannah geist but they're getting this other celebrity yes. this like degrades <laughs> god yeah it's really really good and that ending come on (laughs) forget about it you can tell brandon cronenberg is such a nerd (laughs) and i live for it (laughs) as a fellow such a nerd i was like i see you i recognize you we are one (laughs) yeah oh the woman in the tube i mean that arm on the tube oh yes so uh, the disturbing. arm handle with two elbows yes mm-hmm. oh god it's uh. so disturbing and the way he slices into it and then just like suckles at her arm to drink yep. the blood uh-huh. mm-hmm. oh fuck so it's so gross and well, just like the visceral mess inside yes. the inside the tank yeah when you see her face and sort of the things growing off of it it's uh-huh. so interesting and it has this quality that i think both of these movies have of it being grotesquely beautiful Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. so gross to look at and yet there's something so pretty about it too Mm -hmm. we've already talked about how the camera just like eats caleb landry jones yes yes Um, yes there is some like a grotesque beauty to this movie and part of it is just sort of his angelic fucking face suckling at the arm. It's so crazy (laughs) i can't i mean how i don't why do I love this movie so much? I don't know, but I it's do. It's good. It's so good. <laughs> this is, and here's the thing. This is where we expose ourselves, right? I would probably pull a Matilda and be like, yeah, you should watch this thing. And then someone's going to come back to me and like, don't make eye contact with me. <laughs> Please don't talk to my children. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like I would blanket recommend this shit like without compunction and it would I mean it's beautiful be this movie too right like I it's... just think it's good yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely <sighs> all right well I'm glad I'm not the only weirdo <laughs> no we are the weirdos mister <laughs> no, so I'm glad it... you all liked it yeah. yeah, it was really good. I mean, that ending is just, it's bananas. But also, it makes so much sense in the context of the larger film. And the fact that when this woman is on her deathbed, she's dying. She has no loved ones around her, just people that work for her and people who want to buy her body. Mm-hmm. And they come to this agreement of how to sort of keep her alive forever mm-hmm. in this stasis where she can grow parts for them. Oh, God, it's it's disturbing (laughs) right is it the boss of the first corporation that says celebrities are not people they're like a mass hallucination yeah 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 Uh i mean and that comes back to that thing where cornberg's like you know there's like the person who lives and dies and decays and then there's the idea yeah of the person that that exists just in the mind of fans Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm does that context make the film's ideas feel more fully formed for you ariel Yeah, I guess fully formed isn't exactly what I meant, because I think that it is, there is a concrete idea here. Uh I guess I meant that in some ways I thought sometimes that critique of celebrity felt thin, and I think that he could have said even bigger things. Mm. I can see that. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess I think for me, I, I feel like antiviral ha- makes a statement, whereas yeah. possessor asks a question. Yeah, that's a fair way to put it. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't totally understand what the question is with possessor. I like it. I'm not going to say bad things about it. But I do feel like I still haven't put my finger on what that movie is ultimately about. But I understand what it's kind of like asked. It asks like a handful of questions. But I don't know that like Brandon Cronenberg knows the answer to the questions he's asking. Yeah, you might be right about that. But that's Mm -hmm. my, I mean, but that could also just be me being a dummy. You know what I mean? And that's certainly a factor. No. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) let's call a spade a spade. Uh, All right. Any other thoughts on antiviral before we move on to Possessor? So we can, maybe someone can explain it to me. I mean, I guess I would just say that while I think this movie is really great and people should go out and see it, it is dark and nihilistic and there's a lot of blood. So just be prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, be vaccinated before you see this movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think maybe I, that is true. Like having a vaccine certainly go down a little more smoothly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's where I went to like, oh, we're going to pivot to unfriended last time I was picking. I appreciated that pivot a lot. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I applaud you for just like living with this alone for so long. <laughs> Because I, I feel too. like this needs to be a shared experience. <laughs> oh, know, yeah. It was about it. You just can't hold by yourself. Yeah, it yeah. was about a year that I was like, I am the only one I know who's seen this. Oh, no. I do appreciate you waiting, though, because I think if you had made me watch this last, say, April or March, mm-hmm. I think it might have changed our friendship a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> move on to Possessor. A little background about this movie. So Possessor is Cronenberg's second feature film, which he'd actually been working on since releasing Antiviral eight years before. Uh, He spent a few years writing and the rest were just dealing with all the usual financing problems that come with making an independent film, like people not quite understanding the project, dropping out, maybe being shady, dropping out, whatever the case may be. But um, the idea for this movie actually came to Cronenberg when he was doing press for Antiviral. He was traveling uh, with the film and he found himself, you know, he's normally a very shy, kind of reserved person. And he found himself having to kind of create from scratch a public persona so that he could deal with the press and publicity of the movie. He said he found himself waking up every day feeling like he was sitting up in someone else's life and trying to scramble to construct a character that would be able to operate in that context, Mm. which is like the most Brandon Cronenberg sentence ever, but it sure is. (laughs) So he wanted to make a movie about someone that who was basically an imposter in their own life, uh, where Mm -hmm. he could talk about all the ways that we all sort of create characters and narratives to operate at just to operate as human beings and while antiviral was very much about celebrity culture this time he wanted to talk about personal identity so it's kind of like whatever was happening behind the persona that we saw exploited antiviral mm-hmm. but this, this wasn't his only inspiration he also said at the time he was really interested in this spanish doctor i googled it i think he's referring to jose delgado who in the 1950s and 60s was implanting animal brains into humans oh shit and he said that they could control a 
fairly alarming range of human functions, not just motor functions, but emotions. And became really interested in the science behind that. And it sort of crept into the script. So this movie made its world premiere at Sundance Film Festival in 2020, where it was nominated for the Grand Jury Prize. Uh, Possessor won awards for Best Feature Linked Film and Best Direction at Stidges Film Festival. Am I saying that right? Who knows? I have no idea. In 2020. Uh, And it was named to the Toronto uh, International Film Festival's year in Canada's top 10 list for feature films and won tons more awards at various film festivals. And it was released in drive-ins in its fully uncut form before heading to video on demand and streaming services. Some of which, though, you have to be careful because some of which only show the R-rated version. And it's only about a minute or two shorter, but they cut all the full frontal nudity and and some of the most violent shots from uh, from the movie, which are kind of the best FX. In, like the yeah. the fire poker cut? scene is the fire poker scene is cut um oh. some of that is cut um not all of it but like like some of the beats of that are cut mm-hmm. and then also in the final scene with like the shooting scene some of that you know some of that oh. is cut also some of the that. stabbing in the first scene is cut so basically mm-hmm. they're just trimming from a bunch of different places just little bits cuts here here and there make that our rating from a narrative perspective it makes no difference whatsoever but you miss out on some of the like most affecting fx shots yeah yeah so i would definitely make sure that when you go to watch this the one that you're watching is 104 minutes long Okay. That's how you can make sure you get the uncut version. But I think the one on Hulu might be cut. It is. So I started watching it there. And I believe that the fire poker scene is still in there. The teeth, the eyeball, all of that. They did cut the full frontal nudity, though. They did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think actually... that's the one I saw first. Yeah. Uh-huh. So then you saw there are probably a few. Those scenes are still in the R-rated version. There's just a few, like, cuts that are from it. Yeah, so the first time I watched it, I watched the uncut one, and then I yeah. started watching this one on Hulu and switched because yeah. I was like, "Oh wait, this can't be right." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I start. I also started watching the R-rated one, and I was like, "That first scene, I was like, it's not that bad. Why did I remember this being really bad?" And then I researched it, and I was like, "Oh, this is some bullshit." <laughs> and I got the uncut <laughs> version because yeah. I was like, I, I didn't know what you guys, were, which one you guys were watching, but I was like, "No, I need to see the full, literally the yeah. full Monty." So. Yes. So, Although yeah. honestly, that was easier to watch the second time through after seeing Violation. <laughs> I know after Violation, like you cannot shock me anymore. When no, it comes to <laughs> that particular aspect of a film. Has anybody else seen Violation yet? No. There is so much full frontal male nudity, like very long extended scenes. Of oh. it. In every meaning of the word. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That movie's good, though. It is. Um, it's another punishing watch, though. Oh, okay. It is. I mean, Matilda, not for the reasons you like think, it. though. Not for the reasons you think. Like, everybody hears Rape Revenge, and they're like, oh, I know why this is hard to watch. Nope. That's not it. Oh, okay. That's, like, the most delicately handled scene in the movie. It's the other stuff that is. <clears throat> it's the aftermath that is rough. Mm. Yep. Rough stuff. <laughs> Um, but I recommend it. So, okay, yeah. So, as for what he has planned next, Cronenberg is working to, sh- he wants to shoot his next two movies essentially back to back. One of them is called Infinity Pool, and the other one is Dragon. And Infinity Pool is a kind of humorous resort satire with some sci fi stuff in it. 
Plant by mm. horror stuff in it. Okay. And Dragon, he described as a trippy space horror movie. So, Ooh. needless to say, after having watched these two movies, I will be there opening day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he can make whatever kind of movie he wants. Somebody I'm check it out. who goes and sees a humorous resort movie and then goes back in his back catalog is going to be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be like the Hairspray Pink Flamingos yeah. situation. Yeah, all yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Possessor, Sarah, you have the synopsis for this one. Lay it on us. Asya Voss is an assassin who takes control of other people's bodies to carry out her hits. Through an implant installed in the unwitting host's brain, Voss can use a special machine to insert her consciousness into their minds. She returns to her own body by forcing the host to commit suicide at the end of each job. Boss's struggles with increasing detachment from her own identity and cannot fully separate her work from her interactions with her husband, Michael, and her son, Ira. Boss's handler, a retired assassin named Gerder, is critical of her desire to maintain a connection to her family and expresses a belief that Voss would be, better, would be a better killer without personal attachments. Uh, despite her fragile mental state and fatigue with her work, Voss agrees to perform a major hit on a CEO, John Parse, and his daughter Ava by possessing Ava's fiancé, Colin Tate. The hit is only partially successful. Ava dies, but Parse survives. Voss attempts to flee the scene by forcing Tate to shoot himself, but discovers she cannot make him pull the trigger. And it just goes from there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah, what did you think of Possessa? Oh, I mean, this one was really good. Like, I, I, I liked it, but man, it's a hard watch. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It, um, but definitely a, oh man, and Jennifer Jason Lee is so good in this. Yeah. She oh is. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I really enjoyed it at the, 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 the mind split, the, like the two, Consciousness is fighting for for one, mm-hmm. you know, fighting for mm-hmm. control and the 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 flashbacks and memories and not knowing what's real and what isn't and that was that was great. I thought it was very very cool. Yeah, what did you wow. say in the chat? Like, I watched this and now I have to watch Faces of Death for a palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with me? <laughs> like. I was just kind of like, yeah, it's something weird. less traumatic. <laughs> oh my gosh, I think I am broken. I think my barometer is truly broken. I mean, I you're really being kind of like forced to watch torture stuff yeah. this week, so maybe that's part of it. That these seem less torturing. Yeah, maybe, maybe they're just like not straight up torture. Yeah, I guess like the content is disturbing, but I don't feel like after Hunter Hunter, I felt bad and i don't feel bad after i watch these movies but i'm a not in a you know what i mean like not bad in a bad way but like you know you just like you're like ugh, i just saw like the worst part of humanity and now i feel terrible yeah i should feel that way about this movie but i don't i don't know what's (laughs) wrong with me (laughs) what did you think about this movie matilda so i really like this which is i am not really a spy movie person Mm mm-hmm Right, or like an assassin movie person. So it was surprising to me how much I loved this. And I this was my number one of last year also. 
On the second watch, the opening scene was a lot harder. The scene with the, with the police shooting mm, the first mm-hmm. the first person she possesses. But I feel like I understood it more the second time around. Like the relationship between Voss and Gerder. Mm-hmm. A little bit more the, is a nice way to say this, maternal ambivalence. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that... yeah. Yeah, I think this is really, really well done mm-hmm. and interesting. I'm sorry, there's some kind of... I don't know if you can hear. There's some, like, police activity yeah. situation. Is that what's happening? Yeah, okay. give me one second. Okay. I can't tell if they're doing the, like, yelling from the helicopter thing. <laughs> Speaking, reporting from the dystopia. I know. Has that ever <laughs> has that happened to you where the helicopter oh, flies over sure. and goes, like, stay in your homes? Uh, I don't I think, think it has. So. Okay. Yeah, but I don't love it. Yeah, we are looking for this person. It's a little dystopian. Okay. Ariel, what did you think of this movie? Yeah, so like I said, this was my number one movie of last year. I I love this movie. I mean, there is nothing about this movie that should be for me because not only right. do I hate near tech like near future tech dystopias, I mm-hmm. also one of the big things that I hate about those is how close it feels to reality. So his job in this one where they're yeah. spying on people through <laughs> cameras in their homes and then reporting on what products they own is so creepy and so disturbing and if there wasn't all this other stuff around it that would be enough for me to turn the fucking movie off because yeah i I just like that stuff lives in my brain and then i just feel bad afterwards but there's so much cool body horror and imagery in this one that it didn't bother me in the same way that a lot of movies do. And so I really, really appreciated that about it. The other thing that I tend not to like are when movies do really quick cuts of images over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that a lot of times that's used just to cover up the fact that you don't really know what you're doing. or right. mm-hmm. And I find it difficult to watch. Personally, yeah. it makes me nauseous. So I, I hate it. And this movie, just like antiviral, has a lot of that in it. But I actually think that it works in this movie when it doesn't in so many others because the images that he chooses to put in there feel like they're supporting the story and the mood mm-hmm. and, and sort of leading you through what you should be feeling in a moment. Yeah. And so I actually didn't mind that there were so many of those. So, yeah, there are like a million reasons why I shouldn't like this movie. And yet I do. And I think one of the reasons that um, I liked this one even more than antiviral is because as weird as this sounds, I found it to be kind of cathartic, too. Yeah, you said that. That's interesting. (laughs) I know it maybe it seems strange, but having him just like or her, I guess, beat the ever-loving shit out of this tech billionaire, I just found to be a relief. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Female rage. Right. A, a little bit of fantasy for me. Right, and yeah. who, the, the tech billionaire who remains, fe- like, he feels totally safe, even with someone coming to him with a gun in his house. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's like, I'm going to bed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Lord. <laughs> um... I love all the body horror in this. I love all of the blood, the way in which people are killed. I mean, this movie starts out with somebody like stabbing a needle through the top of their head Mm -hmm. and then stabbing somebody over and over and over again and then kind of reveling in touching the blood. You know, there's 
so much about this that has these sort of visceral, um, bloody, violent scenes that were really effective for me. I mean, that fire poker scene that I was talking about, Ooh, yeah. where mm-hmm. not only does he beat him over and over again, but then he stabs it through his mouth, like breaks his teeth and then goes to pluck out his eye essentially with it. I mean, and the camera does not flinch away from any of this. Mm-hmm. It's not implied violence. You are seeing it happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's done so well with the practical effects. And mm-hmm. I was just watching something the other day. I can't remember where all the blood was CGI. And I hate it so much. It looks so phony. And everything in this movie looked great. I mean, yeah. he really knows what he's doing, clearly. Yeah, yeah he avoided doing any cgi because he's like no matter how good it is the blood always looks weirdly floaty so we yes. knew yeah. we had to do practical for this i'm uh, so glad and i correct. know that can be a pain in the butt yeah. but it's so worth it for mm-hmm. the overall look and feel of the movie mm-hmm. the acting in this much like in antiviral is really great the woman who plays tasia voss is fantastic There's Mm -hmm. a scene where she is going to have dinner with her husband and son and is trying to outside pretend to like practice how Mm -hmm. to have a normal conversation with them. And it's disturbing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just it's so well done. I mean, she has to go through sort of so many emotional stages in this movie and being multiple people and having this guy and, you know, being this guy and having him in her head. It's all fascinating and she does a phenomenal job i think he does a really good job too Mm -hmm. um because there are scenes where you know quite a few scenes where she is in his brain and yet he's the one who's having to do the acting Mm -hmm. and i don't know exactly um like how you rehearse all of that with each other but they did a really good job and it's it's so interesting to watch him like her be in his head and then having sex with his partner or just trying to be normal, like a normal person in their relationship. And she's sort of sensing that Mm -hmm. something's off and he's trying, you know, she's trying really hard to be him. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's so good. I mean, there's so many layers to the acting and I thought all of it was completely believable. And then on top of all of that, you've got this, what Matilda said, this maternal ambivalence of, her pretending to be other people for so long or being in the minds of other people for so long and not knowing how to connect with humanity anymore. And it's shocking, I think, when it's her son, that she can't even find that bond with him. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, the way the movie ends is, <laughs> is mm-hmm. shocking and mm-hmm. yeah. so great. Yeah, I just, I love this movie so much. And that scene with the mask, too, that's on the cover of it is disturbing. And I oh, love yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like the equivalent of the uh, antiviral becoming the machine. Yeah. Yes. Scene yeah. to yeah. me. Yeah. So the actress's name is Andrea Riseborough. Okay. She was also in Mandy. She was Mandy and Mandy. She's so oh, good Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yes. And the actor gotcha. is Christopher Abbott. Yeah, he kind of looks like Jon Snow a little bit. Uh, yeah. A little bit. yeah, yeah, <laughs> more than a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, yeah, it's interesting seeing the physical similarities between the two lead actors in this movie and the way that Brandon Cronenberg kind of films them in similar ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that they, they both have this kind of like very Tilda Swinton androgyny kind of yeah, that's look true. to yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Rand- Brandon Cronenberg has really, he really has his thumb on the things that makes rachel paranoid 
Uh, you know whether it is viruses or in this case personal invasion and the way the technology has infiltrated our lives yeah those are great sources of anxiety for me and what's amazing and it's not just me i'm seeing as we're all talking about this is his other talent is to take things you hate and make you like them yeah, it's He's bizarre. like, oh, you don't like this? Well, here you go. Uh-huh. You're gonna. You're gonna. <laughs> okay, if he makes a superhero movie, I will see it. Oh! <laughs> okay. You heard it here, folks. Can you imagine? Uh, you know, he's like actually talked about when people ask him if he would do like a big budget movie. He's literally said he would never do a Marvel movie. So. Oh, okay. Because he's, he's like, no, you have to give up creative control and I don't want to do that. So I'm yeah. like, all right, do you, boo. I mean, he um, clearly has some feelings about corporate oh yeah experience yeah. just a little yeah yeah i'm thinking though he he might he might make a really good director for like a a, a really dark dr strange true yeah, that is the true. dr strange i, I would be here for for sure or a really fucked up spider-man oh god <laughs> a venom movie would be interesting because he'd get into all the body horror yeah 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 i also think he this movie is really interesting in the way that it looks at how technology has infiltrated our lives i mean literally in the case in this movie but i mean for one thing the stuff about how our screens watch us back is really scary when like anytime you open your phone and the thing you've been talking about is being advertised to you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that feels like what's happening yes (laughs) right now (laughs) it's even creepier when you when you think of something random don't even say it out loud and then open your phone yeah. and it's being advertised yeah. to you. Yeah. So, and I also think that this does a good job of kind of exploring the ways that technology not only mirrors us, but also shapes us mm-hmm. and our identities, you know, with and without our consent. We've all spent the last 10 years watching our respected elders be radicalized by their screens yeah so Mm -hmm. uh this movie in that way feels incredibly resonant yeah and the way that the technology the invasion by technology is so complete but it's like in this movie for instance they're looking at the curtains like they don't even care about the level of like seeing people have sex and seeing all this nudity you know like the thing that you would actually feel violated by they they're just like we want to know what kind of curtains you want to buy Right. Feels very accurate to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, also, how casually it's talked about. You know, they're having this conversation at where they're all hanging out at his girlfriend's house. And the woman that he's been sort of having an affair with says something like, yeah, I masturbate in front of my laptop every night so they know what kind of vibrator mm-hmm. I use. Nobody's bothered by it. It's just sort mm-hmm. of a given. You want to have this technology. This is what goes along with it. And I feel like that's very much how we treat everything that's happening today. Yeah. Right. It's not yeah. different. Right. Like, we know that they're – we don't like and we know that they're invading our personality. But each and every one of us still has a Facebook profile. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to get rid of mine so Me too. bad. So bad. I barely even go on there anymore. It's just – essentially just for podcasts now but I, I really wish that something would come along that could replace it we could just get rid mm-hmm. of Facebook so yeah I think Brennan Kohlberg's other strength is that he's able to kind of just plunk you down in the middle of a very fully realized world that is just just close enough to our reality that you don't need a ton of exposition to understand right. what's happening but it's just far enough out of it that it allows you to get a weird hindsight is 2020 kind of perspective on it Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
you can take those steps with it because it's just close enough. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, that, that takes a real talent. And this one also has a very cyberpunk feel to it uh, that I appreciate. Um, yeah, I like this movie quite a bit. I also think the exploration of Voss's uh, obsession with violence is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, essentially, Voss was originally a male character. Oh, but mm-hmm. yes, but basically Cronenberg was like, I've seen enough movies about men who feel disconnected from their families and their lives because of what they see in the workplace. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to flip the uh, gender because now we're like actually in like having a gender politics conversation space, uh, which so he thought was he really interesting. Yes, yeah. And I do think that that's really interesting because he's right. Like what makes this movie revolutionary is not that somebody can't separate what they see at work from their home lives and have that change them i mean that is definitely a thing that we've seen and definitely in real life and in movies Mm -hmm. but when you you complicate it by saying like oh no this is affecting the maternal bond it's weird that that feels so different it shouldn't but it does and that in and of itself that it feels different creates like an interesting dialogue around gender politics yeah, I mean, we hold that relationship between mother and child to be so sacred and so automatic. And let hun- and fathers off the hook. Yeah, exactly. And uh-huh. so to have it be something that, you know, a relationship in which she can't connect is different. And we don't see that. Right. But then the ultimate takeaway from the movie is that when she severs that bond completely, she has become her full self as opposed to having like i don't know it's just a a very like amoral take on it that i found fascinating Mm -hmm. and yeah she doesn't mourn that loss she's just (laughs) (laughs) i mean it is an interesting counterpoint to the end of aliens right yeah yeah. that's fair yeah yeah right Mm -hmm. about like being complete (laughs) versus Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and that like you know she she has achieved her ambition like she wants to become the new jennifer jason lee she wants to become like her mentor mm-hmm. and what that means is letting go of those people and when she couldn't let go of it it got she had to kill it away yeah and, and then the result is now she like she's able to let go of all that guilt and is like you said like complete which was a twist i was not expecting but I kind of, I respect it. Yeah, and yeah. that there's this, like, woman who's also her mentor who's giving her that test. And when she says there's the butterfly and she doesn't, yeah. she omits the part about I, st- I felt guilty about it, I still feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. Like, the mm-hmm. praise from the mentor about, like, very good. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought it was really interesting that almost all the women that were, all the people that worked there were women. Did you mm-hmm. notice that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's that true. that one creepy mm-hmm. dude, they were, like, all women in the back of the van. And I feel like that's very intentional. Yeah. I'm not sure. And like I said, this movie to me feels like it asks a lot of questions, but doesn't actually give me a lot of mm-hmm. answers. Mm-hmm. And one of them is the decision to have like almost all women staffing that whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure about, you know, whatever the with, with the facility with all, all the women that intentional. But I think about it with the when they, you know, kidnap Tate from the from the airport that like. You know, he'd probably notice a, a couple of dudes walking up behind him. Yeah. But he wouldn't notice women. They're not threatening. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, 
a woman doesn't necessarily see another woman and think threatening. Right. So kind of like in under the skin, does it allow them to kind of operate yeah. in ways that men can't, right? Because there's not the kind of cultural telegraphing of threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. And that's what I'm saying. I feel like I need to process. Because yeah. I'm like, what is he saying here? Something is being said, but I need help to make the leap. I read this interview where someone asked him. So one of the things that happens is like the person is infiltrated and in the end of the job, they have to like kill themselves to kind of close the loop. Right. And they asked if it was a metaphor for our democracy. And Cronenberg said, absolutely. (laughs) So he said, yeah, he talked about like Russian interference in the election and how we're so hackable right now and how we're, all very open and vulnerable to invisible influence in ways that would have previously sounded like science fiction or a conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. And that early in the script development, all of the Edward Snowden stuff came out. And so, yeah. So that definitely had a huge influence on the script. And a lot of that had, like a lot of that actually was uh, the inspiration for sort of the satire portions of the technology in this how they got into behavioral control and then visible ways that technology is like shaping who we are as people, but also society. That's so interesting. That gives me such a different perspective on the way that when one of the Voss taps into someone, it runs through their entire like program of feeling. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. the first character. Yeah. She's calibrating herself. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's Mm -hmm. so interesting. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Cronenberg is a, he, he has an interesting mind. I hope he makes a lot more movies. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me yeah. too. He's one that I'm definitely afraid, like, I don't want to find out he's a creep. Uh, <laughs> because I feel yeah. like the level at which these movies would turn on me if I found mm. out he was a creep would be yeah. extreme. Well, and there was that, mo- in both of these movies, I had this kind of like, who is this person that's making these? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if other people had that thought, but it's so helpful mm-hmm. to know that the place where he is in Possessor is in Voss trying to go into her own house and, like, mm-hmm. trying to act like herself. Like, it sounds like that's where he connected and having to give interviews to the press of, like, okay, the character right. I am is myself. How do I act like that? Yeah. In the, there's a, I think it's a New York Times interview that I read with him okay. where he's like, you and I are having this conversation. He's like, and neither of us are being ourselves right now. You're playing the role of someone who is giving a, a interview and I'm playing the role of someone mm-hmm. who is doing the interview. He's like, we would never have this conversation in this way if we were just talking to each other in real life. Mm-hmm. And that is something he had to learn. And it's funny, if you read his early interviews, they're very different than for antiviral than they are for possessor. Oh, like, really? Oh, <laughs> he was, I think probably a brutal interview because he, everything he says is just like extremely clipped. And like, I don't know. I don't really know how to answer that. Like very that Ooh, gotcha. he's, he's had some practice and it's now kind of learned the persona of being in an interview. Mm-hmm. When you read his interviews for possessor, it was, it was interesting in the context of all the things that he's talking about in this movie mm-hmm. to watch how he has evolved as a public persona. Yeah. I'll send you two interviews so you can see yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, I would be curious mm-hmm. to It's read them. really interesting. Yeah. I still, I, 
it's this is one of those movies that I feel like I'm probably going to revisit multiple times over the years. And each time I watch it, I'm going to get a little more out of it. But I find it to be very opaque. If that makes any yes. sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see what you're saying. Um, so I like it and I like things about it, but I don't totally know that I understand this movie. Mm-hmm. Which is okay. I don't mind that. You know what I mean? I don't need to understand it. I like that it, the ways in which it makes me think. And goddamn, this movie looks amazing. It really does. He yeah. has such amazing visual style. It's mm-hmm. kind of what, crazy how new he is that he can accomplish all of that. I know. Yeah. He also goes from something that is very like objective in terms of its point of view in the first movie to something very subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, the last one is very much about looking at Caleb Landry Jones. And this one is very much about looking into these characters. Mm-hmm. Or three and of you them, can yeah. See, yeah, and you can see it in sort of the stylistic. All the camera shots are extremely static. And, like, the framing is very interesting in antiviral. Where there's times where, like, 90% of the frame is empty and Caleb Landry Jones down in the corner. Yeah, that's true. Um, whereas this one is very fluid in its motions. It's constantly sort of sweeping camera things, almost documentary style in some places where it's just sort of following characters around. Yeah. It, which is interesting because it like kind of puts you in the place of you're looking through the eyes of the camera, watching someone who's looking through the eyes of another person. Yes. I know I'm getting like very artsy fartsy, so I'm going to stop. No, no, but, that's no. right. And I, I was just trying to remember if in Possessor, if you're much closer to the characters physically than you oh, are. Oh, absolutely. You are, right? Absolutely. In, in there are definitely times where we are very intimate in, in antiviral, we're very much in his face. And like you said, like, you know, super high HD looks at his beautiful eyelashes. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I feel like we have some emotional distance from him at least if not camera distance whereas like this camera is like very up in everybody's business i don't i can't remember any shots where like i said where you have almost an entirely blank canvas with like a tiny portion of the the screen being filled by your character mm-hmm. this one is very centered on the character it's yeah very invested in the subtle things that are happening in their performances because like ariel said we're going you know it's a character playing a character yeah, it's a, a much character. more emotional story. Yeah, in that yeah. way, I do love that interplay at the end when they're both having the conversation about who is actually doing the killing. Yes, mm-hmm. he's blaming her, and she's kind of like, "Well, you know, you kind of did it." And then at the end, that sort of same thing twists. Mm-hmm. Who did the killing of this child? And like, he's kind of like, "You did it." And she's like, "Yeah, I kind of did it." And then she owns it, and then boom, here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like super assassin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that whole scene in their house is so, it's so well done and it's so beautiful. I mean, after she kills the son, the camera lingers on their blood pooling out of their Mm -hmm. bodies and coming and joining into one. Mm -hmm. It's so lovely, even though it's this grotesque thing of a mother killing her child. Yeah. You know? Yeah. See, that's a perfect example. So, what are we trying to say here? Like, it looks cool. And I, mean, I, I feel was... like there's something being said, but I need someone to tell me what that is. Sure. I mean, I just I just thought it was a visual way of showing that they are connected and kind of one. I mean, he came from her body, literally. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, huh. the decision to then kill him is so horrifying to most people, but it, it works in this movie because she's trying to ascend to this like higher level of being where she doesn't have these emotional connections. And I think even though she's severing that tie, he's still a part of her. If that well, makes I mean, sense. it's interesting that the blood reaches out, but she doesn't. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. All right. All right. Well, and what's and the relationship just... of Gerder to that scene? Isn't right. Gerder in the sun? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think when the sun is looking at her as they're laying down, that's Gerder behind the eyes. Yes. You know? And that's but like they have this connection. She doesn't have one with her son. That's where I saw the okay. blood coming together and that connection happening is like mm, becoming okay, like the yeah, student I can becomes that, the totally. mentor a little yeah. bit because yes. then they, they get pulled out and they're like still smiling at each other. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Thank you. Now it's clicked. <laughs> This is why I needed this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall, I like, I really love this movie, which is a weird thing to say because it is, the content is so dark, but I mean, we're horror fans, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this this yeah. isn't a Disney podcast for a reason. All right, cool. So for those of you at home who maybe played along and you also need to process some things. <laughs> You can definitely get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page. You can also hit us up on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Twitter, we are zombie or ZG Podcast. And Instagram, we are ZG Podcasts, plural. So definitely follow us there. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from if you're looking for something to watch tonight check out our video on demand calendar where we keep track of all the video on demand and streaming horror and horror adjacent movies coming out and out now so check that out on our website if you want to you know represent you want to look extra hot you can check out our merch at t public at tpublic.com forward slash zombies dash girl zombie dash girls dot podcast we've got shirts for all of the podcasts they're all super super cool but also like stickers and mugs and all that jazz if you want to really rep us by it all <laughs> and if you want to support us we do have a patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls where you can get all kinds of cool perks including every single episode on the the entire network as an extended episode just for patrons, for instance, we are starting our book club today, which I'm very <laughs> excited to do. Hooray! We're going to be covering, I think, the first hundred pages of My Sweet Adrena, which was the most upsetting sexy book we all read when we were 12. <laughs> <laughs> and all kinds of other kinds of goodies there. So definitely join our patron if you are so inclined. And uh, yeah, I guess that's all the plugs. Oh, I mean, uh, check out Here's Johnny where Mars and myself from the String Queens are going to be doing the entire Saw series, hence my trauma this week. And that should be a lot of fun. And they also have some t-shirts that you might want to check out that also have Mars and myself on it. You so. gotta check it yeah, out. Yeah, those are great. They're really yeah. cool like cartoon versions of Mars and Rachel, and they're amazing. Yeah, it's interesting to like... They're cute. Because I, I saw the characters before I saw the movies, and I was like, oh, that's who we are. <laughs> yeah, they're great because they're like horror versions of you guys, but done in kind of that anime chibi form. Yeah, so they're really, really cute. Chibi, chibi yeah. saw characters. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I want like a bobblehead or like a yes, Funko Pop right. one. That would be so cool. I bought the mug. It's so cute, you guys. <laughs> it's, it's so cute. I need to get magnets for my fridge too. I want to get magnets of like all of our podcast art. 
Oh, that would be fun. All right, cool. So I guess that just leaves our streaming pick for this episode. And I picked something that is coming to Shudder. That it's not a new movie, but it's a movie that I love that I feel like is under the radar and you may have missed it. And that is the movie Housebound. Yes. We just recommended this to someone else the other day on another podcast. Hi, Ariel. Yep, we did. (laughs) (laughs) So this is like a, it's a movie from New Zealand. It's horror comedy. It's, I feel like life is dark and sometimes you just need a little joy. And this movie is a perfect example of really feel good horror. Uh, Okay. So here's the synopsis. A would be thief is remanded to the custody of her estranged mother who turns out to be correct in her assertion that evil spirits are afoot in their family home. So essentially she gets sent home on house arrest and she has like a strained relationship with her mom and her mom is like very, into paranormal stuff like she always calls into like paranormal radio shows and stuff and she's convinced that the house is haunted and it sure seems like it's haunted so it's it's really funny it's really sweet it has that very new zealand dry humor you'll if you've seen like hunt for wilder people or any really any of those sort of new zealandy movies you'll probably recognize some of the actors that show up mm-hmm. uh, and it is very much a joy to watch so definitely if you've not seen housebound it's on shutter check it out who would like to take us out all right thanks for listening to our latest episode of zombie girls hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did And uh, stay tuned if you are subscribed to Patreon for our extended episode where we start our Zombie Girls book review of My Sweet Adrena. Thanks. (laughs) Bye, Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening and to all my co-hosts for waking up early every month just to talk about horror movies with me. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show is 80s Halloween Horror by Megan McDuffie.